We okay to go, Dan? We all right? All right. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you here today. Welcome to SVC. Let's worship our God together. Here's one most of you are probably familiar with. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world's I the stars and I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe display then sings our soul and sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great he is how great thou art how great thou art, and sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, how great thou art. Put our hands together, church. That God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die. I scarce can take it in. On that cross, and on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away. To take away my sin. All right, now. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great, how great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul. My Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, oh yes You are, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. When Christ shall come With shout of acclamation And take me home What joy shall fill my heart And then I shall bow Humble adoration In humble adoration And there proclaim 
God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, yes, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. How great Thou art, oh, how great Thou art, Lord, how great You are, how great You are, Lord, how great You are. Take a moment to celebrate the faithfulness of God. Are you grateful for His faithfulness? I know I am. Here we go. We've seen. We've seen. We've heard. The stories of your goodness were lost, then found, and broken hearts were healed. We've known. We've felt. The power of your presence went mountains fell, and every wave was still. One look at what you've done is a glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to say. We are the monuments of your faithfulness. What life, what death could ever separate us? The blood you shed will always be enough. One look. One look at what you've done is a glimpse of what's to come. Yeah. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to say, We are the monuments of your faithfulness. Every captive soul that has been set free stands and testifies we have been redeemed. We are the monuments of your faithfulness. Let's sing together these monuments. Two, three. These monuments of what you've done, these monuments of your great love, 
Every war that you have won is just a glimpse of what's to come. These monuments of what you've done, yeah, these monuments of your great love. Every war that you have won is just a glimpse of what's to come. Oh, your faithfulness. Lord, you are faithful. Oh, you are faithful. Every miracle. Every miracle. Every step of faith. Every victory rises up to save. We are the monuments of your faithfulness. Every captive soul that has been set free stands and testifies. We have been redeemed. We are the monuments of your faithfulness. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are faithful. Oh, you are faithful. Yes, you are. Well, welcome. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us today here at Solana Valley. And right now, we'd just like to take a couple minutes to greet those around you. So if there's maybe someone around you that you haven't met yet, please introduce yourself. And also maybe share what's one thing that you love about spring. Okay, so greet those around you. What's one thing you love about spring? I like being able to walk in here and it's not 45 degrees. That's what I like about spring.
Good morning, and welcome to XBC. You too, bro. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's make our way back to our seats and continue our worship together. So good to see y'all connecting. This has quickly become one of my favorite songs. It's like a prayer almost. A declaration of faith. The Lord is my salvation. Here we go. The grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea. And I am safe on the solid ground. Yes, the Lord is my salvation. I will not fear. I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like? Who is like the Lord our God? And He's strong to save faithful in love. It's my death is paid. And my victory won. Yes, the Lord is my salvation. And my hope, my hope is hidden in the Lord. He flowers each promise of His Word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God? Strong to save in love and my dead is paid and the victory won the Lord is my salvation yes he is Here we go. One, two. glory be glory be to God the Father, glory be to God, the Son, glory be to God, the Spirit, the Lord is my salvation, glory be to God, the Father. Glory be to God, the Son. Oh, glory. 
free be to God, the Spirit. Yes, the Lord is my salvation. And who is like? Who is like the Lord, our God? Strong to stay faithful in love and my debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. Once again, church, who is like? Who is like the Lord, our God? Strong to And my death is paid, and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my salvation. Yes, the Lord is my salvation. And I thank God for that. Amen indeed. Why don't you have a seat, everybody? I'd like to invite my my wife Carolyn. Almost said my friend Carolyn. My, my wife Carolyn. That's right, my best friend. Will you be my friend? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, good morning, church. Um, The Lord is my salvation. Those words um, ring so true, and it's something that we need to remember, and it's something that we need to celebrate, and we're going to do that right now through the Lord's Supper. An elderly gentleman led his church in communion one Sunday morning, And the man slowly made his way to the pulpit. And then he said, when I was a younger man, I thought that when I got older, I would be done with sin. Now as an old man, I realize that sin is more powerful to me today than ever before. That is why I need this cup. And that is why I need this bread. That is why I need communion. And that is why I need a Savior And that is why I am thankful for what my Savior has done. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we come together as the church, the bride of Christ, and take communion, we are honoring God. We stop, we reflect, we recognize, and we worship. Most importantly, we recognize that just like the elderly gentleman did, we need a Savior. We want to reflect on the cross. We want to reflect on what Jesus did for us, where love ran red. In a moment, we are going to take communion together. And as you come forward to receive the bread and cup, I'll ask you to come to the table closest to you. 
and starting with the back rows, and then return to your seat with the bread and cup. And everyone, after everyone has had that opportunity to come forward, I'm going to lead us in taking the bread and the cup together as we reflect on the sacrifice of Christ. So as you come forward, um, spend that time just reflecting on your Savior, on what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. It's not something we ever want to take for granted as we get busy in our daily lives, but we want to always stop and we always want to reflect that the Lord is our salvation. And that is something that today that we're going to recognize. So go ahead and come forward to the um, and, and get the elements, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. As you found your way back to your seats, I just want to take a moment and let you have some one-on-one time with God. One-on-one time with him, reflecting on what he's done, who he is, the gift of salvation, and then recognizing and asking if there's anything between you and he that has separated you, that he would just bring that to your heart and that you'd be able to confess it so that when we take the Lord's Supper, we're doing it with a pure heart. So I'll just give you a moment to do that. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and you 
sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at the cross, Jesus' love ran red and our sin was washed white. You knew that we needed a Savior and you provided one. And we, God, were eternally grateful. Help us to carry this gratitude in our hearts this week and every day as we follow you together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand one more time, church. The beautiful new song is called God, I Look to You. Joy is going to take the lead on this. We hope and pray this encourages you to look to Him in all seasons of your life. One, two. God, I look to You. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. To see things like you do, God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Why don't you join me as we sing this verse together? God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, you know just what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, you know just what to do. I will love you.
chorus once again. Hallelujah. that is our prayer today. We, we need to look to you so that we're not overwhelmed. And I know you met me in this song um, a few weeks ago when I was feeling so overwhelmed. And you just wanted to remind me, and you want to remind us today, the only way we cannot be overwhelmed is if we can look to you. Because you are where our help comes from. And Lord, my prayer today is that whatever each person is facing today, you know every person in this room and that, that is watching online, and you know what they're feeling overwhelmed about. And my prayer is that today we would look to you. Because you are our help. You are a refuge and strength. And I pray that you would give us vision to see whatever we're feeling overwhelmed about, that we would see it like you see it, that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with whatever we're facing today. And ultimately, I pray, God, that we would love you with all of our heart because you are our strength, you're our rock, you're our refuge, 
And we want to choose to worship you today, whatever we're facing, because you're worthy of it. We love you, God. We worship you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, before you have a seat, (laughs) Joy, thank you so very much for that. I want to invite Kathy Conrad up. And I'd just love for us to stand together and remain standing for the reading of Scripture. Would that be all right with you? Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So this is from uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, from the New International Version. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed, excuse me, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter and harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, this morning um, with just all praise, Lord God, for you are the God Almighty, Lord God Jehovah, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Lord, in this season, this Easter season, um, looking forward to uh, the Passover and um, the resurrection celebration, uh, very fitting that we are studying the book of Exodus. Father, we also thank you that we are living in a a country where we have freedom to worship you um, in safety and security. Um, We just pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and other parts of the world that are not so fortunate to have um, really that uh, luxury of uh, celebrating and worshiping you. Um, and Father God, we just pray for Pastor Gary as he delivers this message. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. Lord, just um, teach us, each one of us, Father, that we might leave this, uh, this assembly with a, a nugget of truth that you have delivered just for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. If you're with us on Facebook, YouTube, thank you for joining us today. And uh, hope you can join us next week uh, here, uh, and especially Easter Sunday as it's approaching. Um, So uh, last week, I actually heard a rumor that my message was long, okay? I actually, no, no, no. What they said was it was a 
little, little long, okay? And the use of their, the word little is a key word, okay? And it might be a little exaggeration that they word, use the word little to describe the long, okay? So, uh, uh, and someone else also hinted that they thought they heard God saying, let my people go. Since we're talking about Exodus this week, this week I'll try to let you go sooner, all right? Sorry about that. Uh, I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it next week. So, or the week after. I'm just kidding. I'll work on it today. All right. Um, so, our God, uh, real quickly, our God is, uh, you know, sometimes we love to see God at work in the miracles, don't we? I mean, don't you like reading about the miracles in the, the scriptures and you see God show up in these really dramatic ways. But, but the really hard part, and this is where our trust and our faith is tested, is trusting that God is providentially at work in the suffering of his people. Uh, it's in, oftentimes in suffering where God does his greatest work in our lives. And, uh, and, and that's the place where faith is truly, truly uh, tested. Um, two women, two women in the same Bible study. Two women in the same Bible study. One woman, uh, she shares a testimony with her group. She says, the other day I was driving to a parking lot. I was driving through a parking lot in a sea of cars, and there was no place for me to park. And so I thought, why not pray and ask God to, to give me a place to park? Why not pray? And, and so she, she closed her eyes, and she prayed to God while she was driving through the parking lot. And she said, oh, God, you, the one who parted the seas at the Red Sea for Moses and the people of Israel, I pray that you would open up a space for me. I open my eye. I open my other eye. I open both eyes, and voila, there was a place to park. Now, another woman in the same group sits quietly, listens, her eyes on the floor, and she prays, God, why? Why? Why would you give her a place to park when she prays? But when I pray, please, God, let it not be cancer. Please, God, let my child grow up and live a natural lifespan. Please, God, let my child grow up without the fear and the pain of cancer. Why, God, do you listen to her? Why would you allow my child to go through this? Are you blind to my pain? Are you deaf to my cries? What about the Bible promises? Do you care? Not so much for me, but for my child. Why? By the way, sometimes the most authentic prayer we can pray is why? Why God? It doesn't intimidate God. It doesn't put him off. By the way, if you want to learn how to pray better, read the Psalms. Sometimes the Psalms are filled with bitter cries. God's not intimidated by that. Why does God allow his covenant people to suffer? Why? 
Why does God allow me to suffer? Is God blind to our pain? Is he deaf to our cries? Has God forgotten his covenant promises? Does God really care? The Bible doesn't always give us answers to the questions we ask. Okay? It doesn't. I I think sometimes we want kind of a hallmark version of Christianity where everything always has a happy ending. But sometimes in real life, life doesn't always have a happy ending. Isn't that true? Sometimes life, we, we have these questions, and after we ask the questions, we still feel the same pain. We still feel the same disappointment. We come to the book of Exodus. The people of Israel uh, are facing a time of just, um, well, it, it was, um, it was a, a, a time of 400 years of disappointment. For 400 years. It's very interesting. The, the entire book, uh, the, the, the entire, excuse me, not the entire book, the entire chapter, Exodus chapter 1, is a 400-year time frame. Now, sometimes when we read it, we don't always gather that. But the book of Exodus begins in the book of Genesis. Uh, actually, when you look at the book of Exodus, when you look at the first five books of the Bible, they're called the Pentateuch. Okay? That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they're not like five different books, the way we sometimes think of books. They're more like five volumes of one literary work, the Pentateuch. It's kind of like, I don't know, how many of you, anybody ever read The Lord of the Rings? Okay, a couple of us have read The Lord of the Rings. Uh, If it was a younger audience, I'd ask, anybody ever read Harry Potter? Ah, we got some Harry Potter readers too, okay? It's not, how many books are in the Harry Potter series? Is it nine? Seven, okay, seven, seven, nine, whatever. Uh, Same number, no. Uh, So there's seven books, but it's really, and each book is like a story, but it's really one story if you've read it or if you've watched the movies. Same thing with The Lord of the Rings. It's, It's like there are three volumes, but it's really one story. In The Fellowship of the Ring, The Twin Towers, and then The Return of the King. But it's it's three volumes, one story. And that's kind of what... Uh, the first five books of the Old Testament are. They're all written by Moses. In the first, in, in volume one, uh, Moses has already explained to the people how God created the heavens and the earth. And then the beginning of the heavens and the earth. That's why it's called Genesis. Okay, Genesis means beginning. The beginnings of the heavens and the earth. And then the beginnings of the nations in the beginning in, in Genesis chapter 12. It's the beginning of one nation in particular through Abraham. It's very fascinating because if you go back and you read Genesis 15, you'll read something like this. You'll read where God appeared to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And if you can count the stars of heaven, you will be able to count your descendants. And what what God is saying is you're going to be a great nation. There's going to be a lot of people who are descendant of you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the nations through you. But then he says this to Abraham, but know this, that your descendants will sojourn in another land where they will suffer for 400 years. But then I will bring them out with my mighty works, and I will bless them with great wealth. In Exodus chapter 1, we, we read 
Uh, let me just kind of open up to it real quick so I can kind of reference this as I'm going through it with you uh, because I'm not going to remember everything, all right? So um, what, what happens is we, we get to, uh, in, in verse 7, I would just encourage you, if you have your Bible, keep it open, keep it open to, to, to Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2 because I'm going to be referencing this and it's not going to be on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to open your Bible to Exodus chapters 1 and 2. And so what the Bible tells us here in verse 6, it says, uh, 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 verse 7, uh, well, actually in verse 6 of Exodus chapter 1, it says, Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. You know what that means? Yeah, they were very fruitful. They multiplied. Like Moses is saying, it's not enough to say exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied. And then, like he says, well, that doesn't quite get it. They multiplied greatly. They increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. You get the picture here? They are increasing in numbers. They are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they are filling the, the land of Egypt. And then in verse 8 it says, A new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. By the way, these are ominous words. A new king coming to power. Uh, especially the words to whom Joseph meant nothing. This man was power hungry. By the way, always be concerned about power hungry people. Seriously. Uh, this man was power hungry. Uh, it, for him, he was afraid of losing power. And, and, and it says here, it says, uh, look to, he says, look, uh, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. So they're afraid. They're afraid. When people are afraid and paranoid, they sometimes do very, very evil things. When one people group fears another people group, really bad things begin to happen. And so the solution that came to the mind of the king of Egypt was, it says that they put slave masters over them to oppress the people with forced labor. Oh, here again. Look at how Moses piles up words. He says, They oppressed them with forced labor, and they built Python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more Israel was oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. Have we heard those words before already? Yeah, it's already talked about how they increased in number. And what the way that Pharaoh wants to deal with them is let's deal shrewdly with them. Lest they keep growing. Lest they keep growing. And the more they, they were oppressed, the more they grew. By the way, if you've ever felt like the, you've read this before, you've read it in the New Testament. You've read it in the New Testament where as the, the people, uh, as the people of God, the church, was oppressed, as it was persecuted, as you read through the book of Acts, what happens? They multiply. They multiply. By the way, it's still happening today. 
oftentimes the, the areas of our world today where the church is growing the fastest is in areas where Christians are facing opposition and persecution. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields, in all their harsh labor. For the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The Egyptians hated, intensely hated the, the Hebrews, the ancient Israelites. Uh, we have kind of a bright spot in the middle of the story, though. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Israel has all these promises. But where's God in the middle of this? Israel's suffering. But where's God in this? Um, Verse 15, it says, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua. And this is really, really interesting. Okay? Shifra and Pua, whose names... Uh, it says, when, when you, uh, what the king says to them, when you're helping the Hebrew women in, uh, in, during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. Kill him. These are real children. These are real people. This is real suffering. And sometimes I think we can read the Bible and we can read about people, but we're not seeing them as real people. And we don't see the suffering as real suffering. This was very real. This is as real as, as what I tried to picture in the woman in the Bible study praying about her child. This is real suffering of real people. Kill the boys. But if it's a girl, let her live. The scripture says, The midwives, however, feared God, did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh. They said, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're not wimps, okay? Uh, Hebrew women, they, they are more vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. And this is what the scripture says in verse 20. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Um, I want to talk more about, uh, about Pua and Shifra here in just a moment, okay? Uh, but it says, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every, this is what he told his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but every girl let her live. This is... The first ever time in history, recorded history, where we see systematic ethnic cleansing. This is the first time in recorded history that we ever see genocide. This was a time of immense suffering. This is, was the Holocaust before the Holocaust. Chapter 2 says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. We know their names were Amram and Jochebed later in the book of Exodus. Amram, Jochebed, they get married. Uh, Jochebed becomes pregnant. She gives birth to a son. Uh, When she sees that he was a fine child, by the way, fine child, uh, also beautiful child. Uh, Do you all know who wrote Exodus? Yeah, yeah, kind of interesting, interesting. 
By the way, Gary, uh, when he was born, was a fine child, okay? Uh, he was a fine child, and, and, and Jochebed hid him for three months. Why? Because if she was seen in public with him, the Egyptians had the authority, any Egyptian, any Egyptian, could on the street come up, take her baby out of her arms, throw him into the Nile, feed him to the crocodiles. These are real people. This is real fear. This is real terrorism. This is real suffering. As real as anything any one of us have ever felt or experienced. So she hid him. That's what I would do. I would hide my child. Wouldn't you? Of course. For three months. But when she could hide him no longer. You know, babies sometimes as they grow, well, first of all, sometimes babies are loud, aren't they? And as they get older, they get louder. And she couldn't hide him any longer. So in a in desperation, this is a total act of desperation. This is something, when, when you read these words in the Scriptures, you're supposed to see a woman here who is in great fear. You're supposed to see a woman who is devastated about the possible death, the imminent death of her baby boy. And she does what a desperate mom will do. She takes a a basket that's made of papyrus. She covers it with pitch to try to turn it into like a little boat. And then she tells her older sister, excuse me, Moses' older sister, Miriam, Miriam and Moses have an interesting relationship later in the book of, of or in, in the Pentateuch. They, they have, sometimes we forget people were brothers and sisters, all right? And it's really funny. She does what an older sister does. I know this because I have an older sister, all right? The older sister sometimes picks on the younger brother, but then sometimes she's spiritually protective of the younger brother. Except for Annalise. <laughs> she never picked on her brother. So uh, she does what older, some older sisters do. And, 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 and so she goes down to the riverbank and, and, and to see what's going to happen to her baby brother. Was there anxiety in the heart of Jochebed, Moses' mother? Was there anxiety in the heart of Amram, Moses' father? Was there anxiety and fear? in the heart of Miriam for her little baby brother. If we read these words and we miss these kinds of human feelings in this, if we're not careful, we end up missing so much. And so she is down by the riverbank watching out over her little brother. And then, you know what providence is? Providence is a miracle. Providence is a miracle. It is a supernatural act of God that we don't recognize in the moment, but later we look back and we say, wow, God did that. I I had an experience as a young man. I had an experience where I was on a motorcycle, a friend of mine's motorcycle, and I had a drunk driver who pulled out in front of me. I was on a street. I was going pretty fast. I was going, I don't know, I was going faster, okay? 
Uh, and it was very, very late at night. It was prom night. Uh, a drunk driver pulled out in front of me. I had a car on my left. I had a steep embankment on my right. And I had a stalled car in front of me. And, like, I had no time to think. I had time only to do one thing, and that was react. I don't know how I did it. I, I, I don't know how I did it. Chuck, you're a motorcycle cop. You, you understand these kind of harrowing experiences that happen sometimes. And I threaded the needle. The, you know, I, you know the, the car next to me slammed on his brakes. He was sliding and I threaded the needle between the bumper of the car on my left and the car stalled in front of me on the right. And I don't know how I made it through there, but somehow I made it through. It was like I dematerialized. That's the way it felt in the moment. It came out on the other side. And I was like, <laughs> it was funny. I took his motorcycle, my buddy's motorcycle, back to his house, never rode it, a motorcycle again after that. I was like, I, I don't want to die that death. Now I ride my bike. It's much safer. And and but it was it's it's like miracles are you know miracles are kind of obvious in the moment. Providence sometimes is the miracle we don't recognize in the moment, and later we look back and we say God was in that. What does God do in His providence? In His providence, a young woman, a young woman. One of the daughters of Pharaoh goes down to the river with her attendants to bathe. She goes down to the river to bathe. And while she's there, she sees, remember that little basket covered with pitch? She sees this basket among the reeds. She sends one of her slave girls down to fetch it, brings it back. They open the basket, and there is Moses crying. You know what happens in the heart of Pharaoh's daughter? Not hatred for another race, but compassion for a little baby. Uh, by the way, a lot of Bible teachers like to, to, to see in this something of what happens with Jesus when Herod the Great in Matthew chapter 2 is trying to, do, to kill all the babies born in Bethlehem and the preservation of baby Jesus. And it's kind of that same kind of little picture that's happening right here is that God preserves the child. And he preserves the child through all people, through the very daughter of Pharaoh, the one who gave the edict that if you find a baby boy, throw him into the Nile. But she's the Egyptian who finds the baby boy in the Nile and draws him out. Miriam sees, I'm sure, the compassion in this young girl's heart. And, and she, sees this, she sees this compassion. And so I, I love this with Miriam because it's so much like my big sister when I was a kid growing up. Very witty, very smart on her feet. And let me put it this way. My sister could pick on me, but if anybody else dared pick on me, she was right there for me. Okay? That's the way she was. And what Miriam does is she steps out. She says, oh, uh, excuse me, would you like me to go find uh, uh, one of the Hebrew women who can nurse the baby for you? And this young girl, I'm sure this young Egyptian princess, I'm sure she recognizes what's happening in the moment. And she says, yes, go get one of the Hebrew women 
I, I believe that this young princess understood that this was probably the older sister. And it, immediately Miriam goes, gets her mom, Jochebed, brings Jochebed to this princess, to this baby. And that princess takes this baby boy and says, here, I want you to take him and I want you to nurse him for me and uh, I will pay you. And Moses was protected. It is providence. God at work anonymously. And so she takes him. Jochebed takes Moses. She nurses him. And when he's older, she brings him back to that Egyptian princess. And the Egyptian princess names him what? Moses. Yeah. yeah you know the answer to that. Which means to draw. To draw out. So Moses, we don't hear a lot about his growing up years. Approximately 40 years later, 40 years later, this is what happens. 40 years later, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. This may have been the very first time that Moses saw with his own eyes the mistreatment of his people. He watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Now, when it says he was beating him, again, sometimes we read words, we let them wash through our minds, and we do not vividly see the picture of what's happening. The beating here, we're not talking about a slap on the face. We're talking about the kind of beating that leaves a person within an inch of dying. I don't know if any of you have ever witnessed a really violent confrontation. I, I, I witnessed one when I was a younger man. It was so bloody. Uh, it was horrendous. And when I came on the scene, the man was strangling the other man. Um, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I, I, the man was like way bigger. The one who was beating the other guy was like a lot bigger than me. The, the guy that was being strangled was a lot smaller. And, and it was like I just didn't feel like I had the physical strength to confront this man and stop him. And I was afraid. And nobody else was doing anything. And, and you know the verse, a gentle answer turns away wrath? I thought, I thought... You know, just in the moment, I thought, I don't think I can physically take this man. But I thought, what if I speak calmly to him? And that's kind of what I did. Is I just said, hey, what's going on? What's going on? And in the moment, he relaxed his grip on the man. He let him go. And I just tried to engage him until the police got there. And, uh, and, and it was like, I, you know, but for me, it was one of the most violent confrontations I had ever witnessed. I've witnessed a couple, but that was one of the most violent. And I think that's really what Moses is seeing here. He's seeing this savage, brutal beating of another human being who cannot do anything to protect himself. And he thinks, I've got to do something. And, and so what the Bible tells us is verse 12 of chapter 2. He says, looking this way and that. You got this? Looking this way and that, I think Moses is probably a little stronger than me, maybe a little bigger than me. 
He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, very quickly here, I think Moses had very, very good intentions about this. By the way, sometimes we do things with the best of intentions. It doesn't always turn out well. Good intentions doesn't mean our actions are good. Uh, This is why we need to be able to uh, be self-observant. And we need to be able to listen to other people. And so Moses looks this way and that. He looks every which way but up. And then he does what he thinks is right. The Scripture tells us the next day, uh, he witnesses two Hebrews fighting this time. And a Hebrew, in this case, beating another Hebrew. And he steps in. He says, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And, and the man says, who made you the boss of us? You're not the boss of me. You're not my ruler. You're not my judge. Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And Moses knew that he had been discovered. The Scripture says that when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh, and he went to live in Midian. Now, Midian is a long way, a long way from Egypt. Like It's like trying to get as far away from another place as you can. Okay, So it's like a long, long way. I'm not going to go through the geography because it would probably just confuse you. But, uh, but, but it's a long way away. And he goes there, and he's sitting by this well because it is, it, Midian is located what would be on the northwestern corner of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, okay? right next to the, the Gulf of Aqaba. There's your geography lesson. Sorry. And, and so he's there, and look, that is a desert region. It is desolate. And when you're in a desert region that's desolate with no place to go, a good place to camp out is right next to a well of water. And there was a well. And he's there. And then along come these seven young girls, the daughters of the priest uh, of Midian, a man by the name of Ruel, also called Jethro. They come, and they come with their flocks to water their flocks, and some shepherds... uh, Come along to chase away the girls. So what does Moses do? He puts on his Batman cape, his Batman mask, and he goes to work again. That's what Moses does. He's a defender of the weak. He's a defender of the vulnerable, just like he had been in Egypt. He steps up, defends the young women, and then waters uh, and waters the flocks. The girls go back, they tell their father what Moses did for them. And, and the father rules like, why did you leave him there? Go, invite him, bring him back, we'll feed him. And so Moses agree, agrees to stay with rule. And he, uh, what he does uh, is he stays there with him. And, and rule gives Moses, Zipporah, one of his daughters, uh, to Moses as his wife. She becomes pregnant, gives birth to a child who he names uh, um, Gershom, which means, and he says, I, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And basically that word Gershom, that's what it means. It means foreigner. This is where I want to, uh, I, I'm going to try to bring this in to a quick end. Okay. Verses 23 through 25. Please pay attention to these words. I, they're going to be on the screen. It says, during that long period, the 40 years, during that long period, this is talking about the 40 years from when Moses left Egypt until he would one day return. During that long period, the king 
of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery. Do you see this? These are a miserable people in misery. They groaned in their slavery and they cried out. That's what you do when you suffer. They cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. You hear this? God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Four quick thoughts. When we're suffering and we don't understand how God is providentially at work in our world or in our lives or in our suffering. Four quick things I want you to see here. It's so easy in a time of suffering to wonder. Um, I have to find where I'm at in my notes. I left them behind a long time ago. Uh, Four quick things. When you face unbearable pain, remember this. Four things to remember. When you don't see God at work, but God is providentially at work. Four things to remember. When you face unbearable pain, remember, number one, God hears our cry. God hears our cry. The scripture says God heard their groaning. God hears our cry. Secondly, God remembers his covenant promises. It says here that God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. That God made this covenant promise, this, this sacred promise with Abraham that he would not go back Excuse me, go back on. And he renewed that same uh, promise with both Isaac and Jacob. And later in the book of Exodus, we see God makes uh, a similar covenant with the people of Israel. And that's where we see the Ten Commandments and all the laws that come out of that. But God has also made a covenant with you, with me. With every person who's a true believer in Jesus. With every person who is a true believer in Jesus. God has made with us a new covenant In his blood, the blood of Jesus. And when we are suffering, when we don't see God at work, God hears our cry. God remembers his covenant promises and God sees our suffering. That's what the scripture says. So God looked on the Israelites. God is not deaf to your cries. God is not blind to your pain. God hears. God remembers. God sees. And ultimately, God is concerned. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God sees our pain and he cares about our suffering. God is not indifferent. God is not indifferent. I don't know what your pain is right now. I know right now, I know a little bit to know enough that there are some of you who are suffering right now. I know many of you right now who maybe you're not in suffering, but you have suffered immensely. I also know this. If you haven't suffered in the past and you're not suffering right now, I do know there's suffering in your future. Okay? I just, I know that. 
we live in a world that's at war with God. God's people are not protected from suffering. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. You know what tribulation means? It means suffering, pain, disappointment. But Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Um, God is not indifferent or apathetic to the suffering of his people. God cares. And in the right time, God acts on behalf of his people. One of the things that we see in the story of Exodus, as well as other stories in the Bible, is that God's people are not exempt from suffering. All of us will face disappointment and pain in life. None of us are immune to suffering. But when God's people cry out, God hears our cries, God remembers his covenant, God sees our suffering, and God cares. Let's pray. God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the redeemer of your people. You redeemed Israel out of Egypt, you have redeemed us out of sin, and we are grateful for that. And, um, and, and Lord, we are so grateful because you are a God who hears our cries. You are a God who remembers your covenant. You are a God who sees our pain, and you are a God who cares. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Gary. It's so, uh, you know, those are truths that we need to be reminded of because when we're, when we're in the thick of it, it's, it's just, it's hard to kind of get our eyes off of ourselves and what we're going through and remember those promises and remember those truths. Um, and yet, at the same time, it's so important to do so. So thank you for that, for the reminders, Gary. And um, before we uh, go uh, into our closing song, I have a few important things I want to uh, remind you about. First of all, uh, I get to go uh, see some family back east this week. I get to go to Al- Alabama tomorrow. And... Uh, without the banjo on my knee. And I'm really, really looking forward to connecting with family that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm longing for it, you know. I just, I just can't wait. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving for the airport at 3 a.m. just to, and I don't care because I just can't wait to see them. And, um, you know, the, I see that connection. I see your des- your desire and your hunger for that connection, too. I see it in our greeting time. I see it in the way that you stick around and hang out and do refreshments and stuff like that. I see it uh, in, in the um, the small groups that are happening. And, and connection is so important for us as followers of Christ. We were designed to do life together. Uh, if you read especially uh, in, uh, you know, uh, the Gospels, uh, so much ministry happened around a dinner table or in a in a group, you know, talking together. Uh, and then it continues in the book of Acts with the, the early church. There was this uh, this desire to connect and do life together. So I just want to remind you about those opportunities that we have. If If you have not found a place of connection yet, we do have small groups that are going on. We have places that you can uh, jump in and, and serve and help. Uh, you know, Gary and I um, are always down for, uh, for meeting with people. 
we have a second uh, satellite office across the street. It's called Starbucks. And uh, we <laughs> frequently find ourselves there meeting with people. So uh, just let us know on our, on our SBC app. You can find out what groups are meeting. You can find out what opportunities there are to serve, for example. So I just want to encourage you to uh, make priority a connection, or make connection, sorry, a priority in your life. It'll be, it's just, it's what you were designed to do, and it's just good for your soul and good for your heart. I also want to remind you that about 15 minutes or so after our uh, service is over, we're going to be uh, having our annual business meeting right here. Uh, we'll be voting on our, our elders and our budget. So uh, I, I encourage you to stick around for that. Again, it'll be starting about 15 minutes afterwards. And I also want to let you know Easter is almost here. Easter weekend is almost here, the weekend of April 15th through 17th. We're going to be meeting on Good Friday evening. At, at 6 o'clock, uh, we will have a service that evening and take some time to just reflect upon the enormous sacrifice that Christ made on behalf of, of, of all of us. And then uh, Easter Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we will be uh, celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. And on the, um, uh, the, the, the table by the front door, we have these wonderful invite cards. It says New Beginning on the front of it. If you don't have any, I would encourage you to, uh, to pick a few up. And they're just, if, you know, in the, in the course of a natural conversation, Easter weekend might come up in that conversation um, or uh, anything else. And it's just a, a tangible way to invite people to it. I keep, I keep some in my car. Um, just you never know when God might open up an opportunity for you to invite someone to church, and it's a great little tool to have. So, and then finally, uh, let's worship God through our giving. Uh, before we close out today, um, you know God has so richly blessed you and me, and it's an honor and a privilege to be able to to give back and and honoring God, worshiping God with our giving is just really an act of gratitude. It's saying, God, I thank you for how you've blessed me. And I want to, um, to, to become more like Jesus, and I want to give like he did. There, there are five different ways you can do that at our website, solanovalley.org slash giving. Uh, again, on the app, if you don't have our app, you can download it in um, uh, Google Play or on the App Store, and you can find out how to give on there. You just tap the Give button. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, 94534. If you're watching at home, you can do that. You can text the word GIVE to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, you can place your offering in the silver mail slot that's behind the sound booth against the wall back there. So those are the ways that you can do that. And we thank you so much for your kindness, for your generosity, for um, you know helping us build God's kingdom right here in Fairfield in Solano, Solano County. So let's uh, thank you for listening, and let's stand together, and we're going to sing about how great our God is one more time. And then again in about 15 minutes, we will start our, um, our annual business meeting. All right. We're going to get those hands warmed up one more time. On the two and the four, I think you've got it. Count with me. One, two.
three, four, one. That's right. You got it. Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder, consider all the world thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sing, my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. Oh, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. How great Thou Sings my soul, my soul, Savior God to thee. How great thou art! How great thou art! It sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art! time now. How great thou art. So thankful you were here today. Once again, we'll start our business meeting in about 15 minutes or so. Thanks for being here this morning.